What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Sisters, gimp suits, all signs of a stable home. And in this home, we hear no evil, see no evil, and talk constantly about our little girl Alice. Whether you had the same upbringing or not, I certainly did. I'm sure we can all relate to having the amount of wall space and zany trapdoors. Scott and Adam might relate, but that won't stop the flashlights and fun this week on Horror Movie Night. Wow, I don't think that you could have had any less enthusiasm with it for that intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, good job. I think that that was the cleanest intro you've ever done for Horror Movie Night. And um, I just want to start my chiding of you picking this movie right now. Okay. So everybody knows Matt picked this film. Yep. He'll explain why, but I think it's mostly because he knows how much I dislike it. Well, uh, Adam, you, you know, owe me you owe me a trillion dollars. A trillion fucking dollars. <laughs> God damn it. Damn it. <laughs> he was he was convinced that Scott would immediately be like flashlights and fun, more like flashlights and fun. Damn it. What? <laughs> flashlights or flashlights? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck uh, Scott. I bet on the wrong horse here. Damn. 
Uh, always bet on me. Wait, no, never bet on me. All right, so I can get into why I picked this movie. I've wanted to pick this movie for a really long time, and then I found out that Scott hated this movie, so I'd keep putting it on the back burner. But That's very sweet, but you should have put it on the front burner because it would probably make for a good episode of me just railing on this film. Well, and here's the thing. So I always kept putting it off, and then it came out on Blu-ray, and I got a copy of the Blu-ray to review and it was the first time I'd watched it in a couple of years, and I forgot how truly batshit crazy the movie actually is, and that's when I was like, you know what? This actually would make for a good episode, because this shit is crazier than I remember. And I remember it being pretty goddamn crazy. Listen, these are all great excuses, but I know for a fact that you and Wes Craven saw each other at a Klan rally. And you're both like, oh, well, we're vitriolic, racist pieces of shit. <laughs> this, is, this is one of the most racist movies I've ever I, yeah. seen. This movie is not only racist as fuck, it's also got incest and class war. So, I mean, really, it's it's everything that you could hope for a horror movie night podcast. So, so here's my question, though. Do you think... That the movie is just straight up racist, or do you think that it's trying to say something and it fails so badly that it comes off super failed. racist? Okay, yeah, it, it's it's not that it. I mean, we get it. We get what Wes Craven, who was probably a pretty normal stand-up guy, was trying to do with this film, but he just missed the mark by about ten thousand meters. Which I don't know what that is in metric, yeah. but ten thousand meters must be like a kilometer or something. But anyway, so 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 anyway, yes, this movie is supposed to be making a statement about race and class inequality, um, and I think religion too, because of them being incest, like the brother and sister being an incest family. Um, but it just is such a poor execution of. This movie probably looked awesome on paper. Like well, when when Wes Craven did his like you know his his three minute spiel to New Line or whoever released this crap. Like I bet they were like, yeah, yeah, this sounds like a great film. But then when when you really get down to the nitty gritty of it, it's awful. Like there's no way to talk about these things and not just make everyone feel uncomfortable especially when you're like a fragile old white guy that's writing it like he wasn't that fragile when he wrote it uh, it was like it was like 92 93 so when did this this was like 92 93 this was like right before scream like this was during that Uh, weird late 80s early 90s period where Wes craven and so he had a five minute this was when he was like losing water from his ship. I mean, gaining water on his ship like crazy. This might be the reason why we didn't hear from him for like any good movies until Scream came out. Yeah, because this was like right around Deadly Friend, and uh, I am not a big fan of <laughs> Did us. You deadly Friend? Yeah. Oh. And uh, I think Scorpion and the Rainbow, which I don't like, but people love. I respect or Serpent it. Yeah, Serpent Rainbow. Serpent Rainbow. But I, I wouldn't hey, watch really, that. Really quick, just one, I have one question. What came first, this or Boys in the Hood? I think it came out in the same year, to be honest. All right, so Wes Craven somehow got a hold of a script for Boys in the Hood. He ran home. He wrote this. He reached back. Gave himself a nice solid pat on the back. 
fucking. I thought you were going to say some finger or some butthole, but that's that's fancy. All right, so so there's one more thing I want to talk about before we get into the actual like taking this movie scene by uh, scene. Do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> there's the thing that I that I both love about this movie, and it is not intentional. Uh, like, like I love this movie. And this, there's no way in hell that this was done on purpose, is the fact that there are points in this movie where it does not know if it is a serious, psychological, creepy horror film with all this social, like, trying to make some statements about society, or if it's just a wacky, like, Home Alone-style slapstick comedy where there's kids, like, hitting kids with bricks, or hitting people with bricks, and, like, wacky noises and shit like that uh yeah it, it's like like you said um i don't know i think it was when we were prepping to like watch it for this you were like i always forget how much this movie is like home alone <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it is and i think that that's part of the the thing that i like about this movie is that the actor and actress who play mommy and daddy are giving 110 percent to oh, every yeah. ridiculous thing. They didn't, they didn't thing. realize they weren't going to get Oscar nominations for this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he has some of the best deliveries in this movie. He has the funniest way anyone has ever said "shut the fuck up" in in the world when he yells at the dog. <laughs> <laughs> He's like he. It's like in the middle of him like beating Alice, and the dog keeps barking because the kid is still alive. And he just opens the door, and goes, "Shut the fuck up!" and then slips the door. <laughs> so let's talk about oh, this oh, movie. One thing, one thing about Leather Daddy. He may have the best line delivery with that, but also is the most goddamn annoying when when they make him say. Almost as many times as Poultry Guys Three says Carol Ann, gonna get you or whatever. Like, oh, oh I thought man. you were talking about when he sing songing. I got him, I got him, I got him, I got him. Like, yeah. that's like borderline Bruce Campbell possessed in uh, Army of Darkness style acting, where he's just like doing a little jig with his spear. It, it really it's did sound like dude. the little goody, the little goody two shoes song <laughs> yeah. from from Army of Darkness. And the movie starts. We're introduced to a character who, until an hour into the movie, is only referred to as Fool, and he's about. Wait, to... He has a real name. He says his name is Poindexter when he meets Roach. Oh, oh. Are, are you sure that he says that then, or does he say that to Bing Rames? I'm pretty sure he says that to Bing Rames too. Oh, maybe. I don't he know. He say it to Bing Rames. He does, yeah. Okay, so he says it yeah. twice. But for the rest of the movie, he is Fool, uh, and thus will be referred to as such in all of my notes anyway. Uh, Fool's about to start seventh grade, but he can't until his sister reads him his tarot cards. And that's how the movie <laughs> starts. Um, <laughs> hey, hey. Guys, aren't black people so superstitious? <laughs> oh, my silly, God. silly black you know, people. <laughs> it's true. Man, you guys are right that, like, Wes Craven does not know his shit. Like, you know, he's, he was probably just like, oh, those crazy black people in the hood. Like, let's write a movie about it. I'm not going to do any research. Ah, oh, let me get my black guy. Hey, uh, yeah, hey, get, let me get my, let me get my black guy for this. <laughs> Fucking, uh. Hey, hey, do you, you, uh, you use tarot cards? No. Well, I'm <laughs> use guys use tarot cards? I, I don't. Well, someone certainly does, so I'm putting it in anyway. <laughs> I, I'd love to see the little kid later on in this movie. He goes up to, like, Leather Daddy or the Mommy, 
And he just touches their cheek and goes like, thinner. Ah. <laughs> I love the fact that now we're just going to refer to him as Leather Daddy because that was an Arrested <laughs> Development joke that I put in the beginning here. Did not expect anybody to pick up on. <laughs> uh, so Fool's mom is dying and his neighborhood is crumbling. And that's when his sister's friend Leroy proposes a plan that they're going to rob the landlord in order to save the ghetto. But he needs Fool for some help. And their plan, I don't... Can you remind me what exactly the point of Fool dressing up like a Boy Scout was? Because he was trying to sell them like Boy Scout cookies, which I, I guess that's a thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was a Boy Scout and I never sold cookies. But yeah, he's trying to sell cookies. And then he was like, yeah, can I use your bathroom? That was why he was dressed up like that. Yeah, but I mean, at what point was was him getting into the house going to help the other two get in there to rob the place? I think he was either there to scope it out. Oh, that was my take. But maybe he was going to like unlock a door or something. Gotcha. Anyway, so before they get into Leroy's plan, we cut into the landlord's home, and that's where we meet Mommy, Leather Daddy, and Alice. And Alice is feeding some creature in the walls, which means that Daddy is now allowed to beat her. And uh, that pretty much immediately sets you up for what you're in for with this movie, which is, as Adam and Scott have already pointed out, uh, racism, lots of horrible, horrible shit, and uh, occasionally wacky comedy. It doesn't mesh at all. No, there's no flow like, it between It's so it. poorly planned. So since since Mom won't let the fool into the house, uh, it's up to Leroy's friend Spencer to get in as he poses as, like, what, the gas man or something? He's like, oh. it's like, well, we don't, we don't have that here. He's like, well, I mean, most people have it and have no clue that it's even in their house. Also, I feel like it's really dumb that Spencer would forget his stupid skull ring on his hand. Like... <laughs> Wes Craven, I can't suspend my disbelief right now. Yeah, no, if he's done this a thousand times before, he knows what not to wear when posing as a government official. <laughs> it just has a lot of sentimental value to him. He doesn't want to take it off. Yeah, his biker daddy gave it to him on his deathbed. <laughs> biker daddy versus leather daddy, fight! <laughs> um, but yeah, Spencer's in there for a few minutes, and that's when Mommy leaves, and that causes Leroy and Fool to try to break into the house and find him. Which, my favorite part about this is that Mommy leaves, and Leroy's thought isn't something bad happened to Spence. He's, like, totally buying the idea that this chick's just going to leave the the gas guy in the house by himself. But he's like, that motherfucker's going to take all the gold and not give any to us. (laughs) So then they get in the house, and this is where this movie fucking cranks it up to 11 with the insanity pretty much immediately. Uh, Because this is when the dog starts attacking them. And all of a sudden, Mommy and Daddy both come home, and and Leroy gets shot while Fool hides. And from that point on, is just running around in trap doors and walls, and a guy with no tongue, and all types of crazy shit. All starts happening almost like the second that Fool is the last person in the house. Yeah. Um, also, I like the fact that Spencer's hair goes white from fright. Like, that is the most ridiculous, I mean... Okay, hearing the ta- the title of this film, The People Under the Stairs, it sounds so terrifying. But then the reality of it is so goddamn lame. They all just want to help and, like, get back at their captors, but they're scared of their captors, and then they have a knife and they want to kill them. Um, so, yeah, okay, like, maybe upon first viewing of this in 1991, test audiences were like, yeah, I can believe that, that, one of, that this hardened criminal died of fright. And his hair went white. 
but well, but, it it shows no. it shows his it shows his hand, and there's like massive massive trauma and bleeding on his hand. I thought that that was just because they were trying to eat him. Yeah, because the people on the stairs are cannibals. Well, that's kind of my point, though. The kids like. The kid's like, he just gone and died of fright. And I'm like, well, no, he did have like a pretty massive physical injury on his arm there. Like, <laughs> no, I think sure that happened after like, he died. I don't know. I maybe maybe his hair went white because he was terrified about being eaten alive. That'd well, be pretty goddamn and, scary to me. I'm just saying. I think that this also has an animal rights angle to this film as well. So, uh, boom, Wes Craven, back on my good list. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, though. I was worried because full punches the dog square in the face in a scene and it's fucking hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have never felt so conflicted about a dog in a horror movie in my life. Yeah, because you hate when dogs die, but I'm pretty sure you were okay when Daddy accidentally killed that dog. Well, I, Cause that I dog was a dick. Because that, that, that dog was a bastard, but then at the very end he was like, <laughs> also, that bayonet was like 18 inches long. It could have easily gone through the dog and fool. Very easily. Also, I, did anyone else think that the people under the stairs just look like the members of Ugly Kid Joe? Because that's all I can think every time I saw them down there. <laughs> their pale skin and their flannels. <laughs> it looks like if, so somebody, if somebody threw a bag of flour on the front row of an Alice in Chains concert. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. That's that's just the heroin that they uh, the bag of heroin that actually exploded. Uh, okay, so so basically, mommy and daddy find out that that Leroy wasn't the only person in the house because they find the Boy Scout uniform in the truck, and then like it's as soon as they find that Boy Scout suit that we in, are introduced to Leather Daddy. Like he is just stomping around in leather gear, shooting walls, trying to kill a monster who we later find out is just like, I can't remember what else he's in, but I've seen him in a fucking thousand goddamn movies. Sean, Sean Wellman is his name. I looked him up on IMDb when I was rewatching this crap and I was like, Oh yeah, dude, I remember you from these movies. It's all slipped my mind. <laughs> he's, all I remember is that he's in the FP. He plays the chick's dad in the FP. Oh, my God. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, he's come a long he's, way. <laughs> he's, no, no, actually, I feel like he's been doing the same quality of, of acting. And, and his, his, he probably has the exact same manager, agent, as he had in 1991 when they put him in this piece of shit. But the FP is awesome. Well, with with gums like those, your <laughs> acting range is limited, right? Like, yeah, if you're not conventionally so attractive, you're not going to be on like Supernatural or anything. So one thing is that like Roshi is a crap <laughs> character. I, I can't joke. care about it <laughs> at all. Yeah, that's that's your gauge of like quality. It's like, well, well, I mean, he's good, but he's not Supernatural good. <laughs> like, hey, hey, you're like, I'm just hoping that for like. Quality attractive people is a show where the two main protagonists are men. You're like, yeah, yeah. Because we're talking about a man. Like, guys may be mentally incapable of understanding what I'm getting at here. Or you may just be putting words in my mouth. Uh, well, it's better or than some of the other guy. stuff you've been putting in your mouth. But You know what? Guys- the two main characters of Supernatural would put in your mouth. Right? So, mommy. No, no I don't want to go back to talk about it. <laughs> How is Fool okay with Roach playing around with that dead torso in the basement? He's just like, ah, you know, here's the way the rest of the people on the stairs. And he's like, he like waves at him with it. 
and then throws it on the floor. That's a dead body. Yeah, I think Full understands that this motherfucker has no tongue and has been living in a wall for a couple of years. So I think okay. he's like, you know what? His idea of good and bad humor is different than mine. I, but here's the thing is that, like, everybody is super damaged in that house, especially the girl, whatever her name is. And Alice, and, and Alice thank you. Alice would probably be way more damaged and not able to, like, know right from wrong or be able to be put into polite society yeah. after after the events of her entire life. Which is, and finding out her parents were brother and sister. Yeah. Like, she, beyond the, 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 the mental retardation that you would probably have. Well, she's not she, their real daughter. Oh, that's right. <laughs> like, oh, man, that's even worse. But, man, this movie is awful. But, but the one thing that, and really, the one thing, the one thing that in any other movie I wouldn't buy, but in this one I do, is the fact that when there's that point where they could escape in the middle of the movie, Alice freaks out. Because, like, that to me does make sense. Like, if you had a person who was basically held captive in this house and had never left that house before, and you're like, look, jump out this window and we're we're home free, I think they would be like, I don't know what's out there. Like... That's, like, the one thing that I think Wes Craven got right, where I'm not like, oh, that's stupid. I'm, uh, like, any other movie, if it was just, like, random teenagers in a house and a girl's afraid to jump out the window to escape, I'd be like, you're a fucking idiot. Jump out the window, escape. Um, <clears throat> that's a little too deep for the horror movie night. Uh, so, also, Mommy's... Also, Scott, Scott, you're worried about her rejoining polite society? Well, Wes Craven's got you covered because don't worry, she's going to go live with the black people instead. So that's not polite society as far as Wes Craven's concerned. I understand that, you, that you're being pretty tongue-in-cheek right now. But if somebody were to just cut that one line out of context, they would burn us alive. Jesus Christ. Uh, for, those, for those of you uh, just tuning in, uh, I have a picture – I, my apartment is covered in pictures of Wes Craven and Nazi memorabilia. That's Yo, what I got going on over here. <laughs> Yo, why, why don't you put some brothers Nazi on the wall? Party. Yeah, I'm a member of the Nazi party. <laughs> oh, God, are we quoting Tusk? <laughs> no. There's a, like, I don't know. There's so much shit going on. So I guess they're feeding people to the people under stairs, but they're also feeding people to their dog because there's that scene also, which also leads to the dog burping up Leroy's ring, which... <laughs> It's ridiculous. Um, that was the only enjoyable part of this movie, I think. <laughs> really. <laughs> this is when we find out that the people under stairs, as we've already established in this podcast, are kids that mommy and daddy had kidnapped and tortured, and the monster in the walls is Roach, who is one of the tortured kids. He escaped from the basement and they cut off his tongue. You know, Fool manages to escape at this point. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any more... There's so many random, like sequences that I'm trying to remember which ones happened pre-escape and post-escape. It doesn't even matter. Logic is broken down pretty much like at the 58-minute mark. Um, Also, how did the dad booby-trap some of those passageways? That really broke my logic and my my immersion because if he can't get in there to get to Roach and he sends the dog, the dog doesn't have opposable thumbs and therefore can't (laughs) booby-trap the walls. I don't know. That dog seemed pretty smart, Scott. <laughs> that dog, if that dog was smart, he would have just bit Leather Daddy and run away. Well, he liked the source of food that they were giving him. He he developed a taste for flesh. This movie's also got uh, dog vegan statements. 
So Fool escapes, uh, and he has some coins on him who he gives to someone. I don't even really know who that person is, but they're like, well, this is enough for your mom's surgery, and it's going to cover your rent until the year 2000, which I guess in 1991... So I was going to say, in 1991, it was like, wow, that's a lot of rent coverage, but now it's like, well, that fucking sucks. I wonder what they're doing now. This is also when we find out that mommy and daddy are are brother and sister. So Fool has this... The, the credits say that that's his grandfather. Okay. never explicitly stated in the movie, but apparently that's his grandfather. And apparently he is also just fucking can tell you what a gold coin is worth just by looking at it. Which, if you have that skill, you don't live in the ghetto anymore. Like, that is a skill that you can actually make some money off of. But, uh, so Fool calls in the child services uh, to report some child abuse. That's when the cops show up at the house. Uh, Mommy and Daddy are claiming they've never had kids uh, and that Alice had died a long time ago, and that's because she's, like, hanging on the chimney up in the attic. Which, I I don't know. I mean, I I guess milk and cookies will keep a police officer from checking the attic if they're searching. I worked in-house. Yeah, that is true. The, the, The police leave, but through all this commotion, it allows Fool to sneak in. This, again, continues my love of the actor who plays Daddy, though, because there's that scene where he's, like, talking to the the cop, and every single time the cop turns around, he's, like, trying to massage the giant gaping scar on his face from when he was beat with a brick, and then, like... Yeah, I love that hat. Yeah. Like, his, that whole outfit is just <laughs> priceless. May they burn in hell. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Can you just please quote him forever? <laughs> so then... Fool gets tricked by my favorite trope in any movie, which is the old tape recorder trick. Oh my god. It shows up in so many movies, and it never makes sense. People just sit down and record this shit just in case they need to do a sneak attack. This was, like, really, really super, super specific as well to the situation. (laughs) So they must have recorded this literally... 30 seconds before a fool got up the stairs there. Yeah. Huh? Or or well before the cops showed up. Like cuz let's let's like look at this from from a time frame of like when fool jumps out the window was it daytime or it was night by then, right? Yeah. Okay, so he jumps out the window at nighttime. He runs back home. His grandfather tells him the information. He calls the cops. The cops show up. He gets back to the house. In that time frame, they've recorded this tape recorder, and he's filled the entire lake with like glass and weapons so that he can't go out through the window again to escape. With the help of all of the ghetto, the movie turns in to do the right thing. They they start banging on the door, the people on their stairs turn out to be good guys, and they smash through the stairs, and they kill Mommy, and then Fool blows up Daddy, and the money just explodes into the air, and everybody becomes rich. I love the fact that the that the dollar bills explode into the explode out of the, all the walls and and everywhere in that house, but yet they're all intact and and viable to to buy on to buy goods with. Yeah, like that doesn't that doesn't seem ridiculous at all to me. I want to know where your suspension of disbelief is on fools uh, candles coins trick. Oh oh, dude, you've never tried that before? No. Oh, well, you got a lot of free time. Figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) You're looking at about one coin falling out every, oh, I don't know, 45 fucking minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, I believe believe that it would work. I don't believe it would work where it's a different coin dropping every, like, 10 seconds. 
But then the real reason I picked this movie is that it ends with a rap song, and I really hope that it was handpicked by Wes Craven. <laughs> Well, the, the rap song, like you mentioned, Do the Right Thing. That yeah. was the rap song. It kept saying, like, do the right thing. Do the, do right, the right thing. thing. Fight the power. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You guys have a bright future in rap metal. Yeah, yeah. Then the, the music cut in. The music cut in. It was like, I called 911 a long time, time ago. ago. Don't you see how late, late they reacted? <laughs> the only come and they come when they want to. They want to. Got the more truck parked around the corner. <laughs> God, get me out of this show! <laughs> oh man, that Public Enemy album's great though. <laughs> but that's uh, that that's that's people under the stairs for for better or for worse. That's what it is. Uh, well, can what? we just say one thing though? 1991 what? was a great year for kids saying "fuck" on screen. Your dad's fucked up. Your mom's pretty <laughs> fucked up too. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I don't know if your if your impression is charming or just really offensive. Your Ving Rhames impression. And that was my impression of fool, to be fair. But <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. It sounded more like Ving Rhames to me. Well, that's because that just... I that's because I lost my voice last night, so I'm just kind of mumbling my way through it all. Uh, so, you guys want to talk about what you watched this week? Hell yeah! Well, I I just want to give you my final like my synopsis on on uh, people under the stairs because they're. Like, I've never seen this movie before. I've heard of this movie, and like with the name People Under the Stairs, I expected it to be, like, a legitimately scary movie and not uh, some old white man's, like, weird racial epitaph. Uh, but I, I started watching it, and I have no idea what it was. And up to a certain point in this movie, I was kind of, like, freaked out and scared. And then, like, you know, fools in the basement, all the things are, like, touching on him and scaring the shit out of him. And then he gets upstairs and he meets Alice. And you're like, oh, wow, Alice is, like, really heavily abused and she's all fucked up. And then Leather Daddy comes around the corner in that gimp suit and it's just like... For the rest of the movie, I was like, fuck, what the shit? Like, you guys, I didn't even think about, like, the Home Alone connection, but it's so, so Home Alone. Like, oh, my God, it's so... But that's, Wait, I, I mean, I think this movie first time, first time ever watching oh this movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. You're no. so much luckier than me because this <laughs> was my third time. But I, I think that that, like, I don't want to say that's part of the charm because there's very little things that are charming about this movie. It is not like I will not kid myself and pretend that this is a good movie. But I think that the the thing that you either end up liking or hating about this movie is the fact that it literally has some genuinely good, like, like, Wes Craven's not an incompetent director. He might not be a good writer, but he's not a terrible director. So there are, like you said, there are scenes that are well-shot, freaky scenes, but he also tries to whack in, co- like, mix in this comedy because I'm pretty sure this was when he was trying to be like, I'm not just a horror director. I'm sure he had some weird, like, slapstick comedy that he had under his belt, and he's like, well, when people under the stairs blows up, this will be my, uh, I'll use this as my transition film. It just... It is two completely different screenplays just smashed together. Well, I feel like it's three different screenplays. I feel like West Ham is like, to the studio, is like, yeah, you know, we got, uh, it's like, uh, uh, you know, a horror movie, which I'm good at, uh, meets Home Alone, uh, meets Gorillas in the Mist, you know, this is going to be some good stuff, guys. Like, yeah, yeah, we got right. this guy named Duke. <laughs> Yeah, I got my cousin Duke. I'm gonna get him to uh to write the screenplay for it. Wait, got a, let me get my black guy for this. He's got a black, guy. My black guy. 
I like that you're so so originally. I mean, that was just our Boston guy. It is slowly turned into Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And I always thought that was Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And and also, I'm not sure how much of Adam Sandler's stand up albums you guys used to listen to. None. But Scott sounds like uh, there was a skit called Respect. He sounds like one oh of my god! Do you, remember, uh, you remember that one? Yes. Gotta respect the books. Gotta respect the condom. Yeah. God damn, that's, he's got a Adam black Sandler. guy. He's got- Adam Sandler sucks, man. When I was in sixth grade, that was the funniest shit ever. And you cannot, now. you cannot revisit those albums. No, <laughs> like, no. The hey, only. No. That stuff sucks. That stuff the, is so terrible. The only one that has like a the, there's. Of all of his albums, there's two that I think are half decent. The one, uh, "What's My Name," which is just out, like just music, and the first one I still think is funny because it was like him, Chris Farley, David Spade, Tim, Met- like it was all of the '90s SNL cast on that first album, and I kind of like that. But Jesus fucking Christ, the, that "What the Hell Happened to Me" album does not hold up at all. No, it doesn't. Except for the song "Steve Polychronopolis," which I still think is a great song. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of Tacky and White and Nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? I watched three H movies this week. Okay. So I'll try and keep this real short. I finished Harbinger Down with uh, David Carradine slash uh, Lance Henriksen. That was the movie that was made by the effects team that did the Thing remake, or which was actually the prequel from 2011, I think. They kickstarted it because they were upset with the way that the special effects were covered with CGI in the final product of the Thing prequel. It's not very good. I mean, it's it's very low on plot, and acting is terrible, 
the concept is just basically the thing. And the special effects aren't as good as I was expecting them to be. Like, they must have had a problem with getting enough funding. But I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. It's on Netflix, and it's not great. Um, It's not really anything new. And the creature effects aren't great. But then I watched House 2, which was even worse. Yep. (laughs) House 2 is fucking terrible. Uh, (laughs) I told you. But it has a cute mag. There was somebody on the threads, on the group that was like, dude, I love House 2. House 2 is underrated. I'm like, no, it's it's not. It's overrated, if anything. It is bad. I could not give a shit to really watch any of it, not at 2x or 4x speed. Like, it was... (laughs) It was painful to watch for 20 minutes. <laughs> but that, but that maggot bad. dog is adorable. Oh, oh! I want one of those maggot dogs, like an animatronic <laughs> maggot dog, to, to surprise Megan for, like, it, Easter. It looks like the glow worms that, you used to, like, that people used to have in the yeah. 80s. Hell yes. It's exactly what it looks like. Um, so, so, yeah, that movie was crap. But um, I'm glad I can say that I watched it so I can go on and watch House 4. And then I watched... A, a boob-filled gem called Head of the Family. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Band knocking that shit right out of the park. <laughs> it's so bad. Like No, actually, it's written really well. All right, so I got to revisit it because I remember being super disappointed by Head of the Family as a kid. Well, I mean, you think about it as a... A uh, fucking full moon release. This is true. <laughs> but I mean, really, the uh, the writing was really fun, and the the sleazy guy and the the, the pervy chick are really funny. Like, they, it's really tongue in cheek. Rewatch it. It's not long. It's you know one hour and ten minutes or something. <laughs> and probably ten of those minutes is credits, just so they can say it's a feature length movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, as far as early nineties full moon releases. Not that bad. Not the worst I've watched in the last two months. Yeah, well, we'll be talking about a Charles Band release next week. So, so uh, I watched on Netflix because uh, I'd heard good things about it, and it was only an hour and seventeen minutes. I watched Creep. No, yeah. man, it's. I actually like those guys' films. Um, I thought Baghead was okay, and I really love Jeff Who Lives at Home. But this was just bad. It was just. It's a it's a found footage movie. It's two guys that there's no screenplay. They improvised the entire movie as they were shooting it. Yeah. And like I I want to see the movie that they intend it to make cuz everything that I read says that they wrote it as like a comedy making fun of found footage movies and horror films. And then well, when they, they showed that up. Well, and then they showed it to their friends and their friends were like, "Dude, you should just drop the comedy angle and just make it a straight horror movie." Um, so they like greatly re-edited the film to remove as much of the comedy as they could, and I'm like, I'd rather see what their comedy was because Jeff, who lives at home, was a really good movie that I don't think a lot of people saw, and this was garbage. Like this was fucking so boring. Um, don't go on our horror and say that because they will skin you alive. Yes, they will. Uh, I will talk next week about another movie that I watched on Netflix that people give a lot of praise to, which I thought was definitely better than Creep, but still not something I'd ever watch again. Um, but the other thing I wanted to talk about was a movie that may be making it onto a uh, onto my list of movies to pick one day. Have either of you ever seen Reptilius? No. Okay. It is I have no fucking idea. It is about. a Swedish horror film from the seventies, and it was like Sweden's attempt at Godzilla. 
Um, oh, no. But they had, like, no budget, so Godzilla is, like, a giant wooden dragon statue that they just place <laughs> in scenes, and everyone's just running from it, but it's not moving. Like, it's just standing there. Um, and it spits acid, but the way that the acid effect is done is that the thing just stands there, and then green slime, like, cartoon slime, is drawn on the frame. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> oh, my God! I'm watching it. It's so fucking bad, so I'm like, all right, this this might this might need to get picked. I think we can have fun with Reptilius. <laughs> all right, Adam, you want to send us home? What did you watch? <laughs> um, well, my cartoons. usual regiment... My usual regimen of cartoons, yes. <laughs> Venture Brothers is back, so I've been catching up. Like, I've been watching the new episodes of that. Fucking perfect. Just perfect. I, it's it's always worth the wait for Venture Brothers. Um, I've been getting really deeply into listening to Lana Del Rey. Um, I, that's that's just what I'm listening to this week. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think I can forgive you for that one. Oh, I, no real, way, man. Well, actually, real quick, because I do want to... Now that you mentioned listening to stuff, uh, I also really got into a podcast recently called You Must Remember This. Dude, You Must Remember This is awesome. Yeah. You heard the one about the... the I just the started in the beginning. In Texas? Okay, the, 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 the Texas tree one is really good. Okay, because I really like... got me hooked on that podcast. Yeah, I really like uh, from the first... I listened to the first 10 episodes so far, um, and I really liked the one about Frank Sinatra's trilogy about Frank Sinatra. And I also like the one about the song uh, Francis Farmer will have her revenge on Seattle and like how Kurt Cobain's all the stuff that Kurt Cobain read about that particular person to write that song was all complete fiction. And they explain what the real story was. But yeah, that, it's a basically it's a podcast where they go through what they call the dark secrets of Hollywood. And it's just this like hey, remember when this really weird thing happened or, like, this really crazy thing? So, like, sometimes it'll be about, like, Frank Sinatra and, like, shit that he did that was really stupid that no one talks about. And then other episodes will just be about, like, the many, many relationships of Madonna and how all of her relationships were fucking ridiculous and bad shit crazy during, like, the 80s. Um, yeah. The, I th- oh, I think I might be getting that confused with another one, but um, I think maybe she- maybe that's the woman who did the one about um, Howard Hughes and all of yes, his... Yes, yes. Yes, so good. Yeah, so definitely check out You Must Remember This. It's a really cool podcast. Sorry, continue, Adam, though. Besides your really? Lena Del Rey, what else have you been listening to and watching? <laughs> I've, I've seriously just been spamming my own head with Lana Del Rey. <laughs> didn't, didn't Madonna date Dennis Rodman for a while in the 90s? Didn't that happen? Was that her? Yeah, that had to have been that her. That may have been her. I can't remember. Let us know in the on this episode, because I think we're wrong on that, actually. Who cares? It's the 90s. There's lots of fucked up shit happened in the 90s. Yeah, I think Dennis Rodman was actually like bisexual in the '90s and had like relationships with men. It's like yeah, the '90s were a pretty crazy time. Um, anyways, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was experimented a bunch. I didn't know um, that our I, guest host was uh, the singer from B52s. There, uh, <laughs> rock lobster. In the '90s, Scott was a cock lobster. Anyways, um, so <laughs> watch out for those piranhas. Dude, Piranha uh, 3D. Oh, by the way, it was Carmen Electra you're probably thinking of. Ah! Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> okay. Um, what was the other thing that I was going to mention? Fuck, you made me lose it now. Oh, um, I re-listened. This is really tooting our own horn, but I re-listened <laughs> to the Ruins podcast. Yeah. And um, everyone should listen to that and keep an ear out for when Matt 
his Philly accent just fucking shines through. And he tells me that I should not, not that I should go ahead and jump into my notes, but that I should go ahead and jump into my newts. <laughs> he says, pronounce it with a hard ooh like, sound. You're really missing the fact that this happens every episode. <laughs> He's, uh, well, we, we got rid of the newt section, so now he doesn't have to stumble over that anymore, but. <laughs> That was 1991's People Under the Stairs, as picked by me, because I'm an asshole. Uh, next, <laughs> week, next week's episode, we actually have a guest co-host. We won't tell you who it is, but you should check it out. It's one of my favorite movies. I think it's one of Scott's favorite movies. and I'm It is sure. absolutely one of my favorite movies. And I think that Adam is going to be furious and hate it, and that is <laughs> absolutely okay. Uh, send us some of your suggestions. Our special guest picked this the movie that we're discussing, so... That's what happens sometimes. Shoot us a message, hmnpodcast at gmail.com. If you have something to promote, like our guest is going to have, uh, let us know, and maybe we'll have you come on as a guest co-host as well to help you promote uh, whatever it is that you're promoting. Or only just, if it's cool. Only if it's only cool. Only if it's cool. Uh, and also, send us some cool stories. We got a really cool story that I haven't sent you guys yet about a listener who wanted to tell us about when he got married and how he got married at a horror convention and how Ernie Hudson in full Ghostbusters garb was one of the witnesses to his wedding. Um, and he even sent us a picture of it. So uh, it's very cool. I love hearing from all of our fans. So, yes, yeah, shoot us some emails and we'll do another mailbox bag at some point. Uh, HMNpodcast at gmail.com. Like, you know, I'd have sex with Pink, but I'd be scared the whole time. It would make me really nervous to... She's a very intimidating woman. (laughs) What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror comedy and pretty much anything we think is good television we use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week but our calling card is our rooks and vets and pitch town tv series rooks and vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show pitch town tv is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of Tacky and White and Nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. 
So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 